Hello and welcome to Inside Policing. I'm Anthony Bushfield and this is the podcast that gets behind the blue lights and sirens to take a closer look at the issues affecting the police. Everyone in policing will have to show leadership at some point in time, whether you're in the job a few months and taking control as the first on scene at a major incident, or you've decades of experience and delivering a significant project. Officers and staff need to show leadership from the first day of their career to the last, and often in situations more extreme and pressurised than those faced by many other professions. On the podcast today, I'm speaking to Olivia Pinkney. She finished her term as Chief Constable of Hampshire and the Isle of Wight Constabulary in April this year after 31 years of service. One of her last tasks was leading the College of Policing Strategic Command course last year where she developed and supported the next generation of aspiring Chief Officers. Olivia, let's start with a fairly simple or maybe not so simple question. What's the difference between a manager and a leader? It's one of those questions that's often asked and you're right to ask it. So a manager is someone who ensures that everything that needs to be done is being done, whether that's the task in terms of our service or, you know, making sure internal things are done and kind of processes are stuck to. So it's that. And that's important. And you do need to do both. A leader, though, does that and more. And what they do, in my view, very much is focus on both what we are doing, but also how we are doing it. And that means creating an environment that those who are actually doing the job can flourish, can give of their best, can contribute, can have a voice, can show initiative, all those kind of things. And that requires the right environment as well as the right level of interest in the individual. And why is that second element, the leadership part, so important in policing, do you think? It's essential in policing. I think it's essential in all public services, but the unique nature of policing means that it's ever more so because we must take responsibility and be very thoughtful about what we do, but also what we don't do. But as importantly, in terms of our legitimacy, which means, you know, as important in terms of the public giving us their trust to do what we do for them and with them, means that how we do it must be viewed as equally important as what we do because that's the only way we can maintain that public trust and trust I know is a really hot topic of the moment but it was always so and if you look around the globe as to how UK policing is undertaken it is undertaken with people not to them and that means that the public trust us and ask us to do stuff for them and that's a really unique and really precious model so that's why how we do stuff as well as what we do from a leadership perspective both need attention. And so what does that look like in practice in policing them what would a good leader look like how would they be operating? So they need to know their business for a start. You know, we do have to be good at policing. We do have to be good at preventing crime happening. We have to be good at protecting people who need our help. We need to be really good at finding those people and making sure that we're policing for all, not just for those with the loudest voices. So that people do need to be very good at policing. It's kind of obvious to state, but sometimes it gets overlooked. And then beyond that, the leadership role is to be forever ensuring at every moment of every day that we are setting the right culture, that we are allowing everyone to flourish, that we are ensuring that the service we give is thoughtfully done, not just kind of a blunt instrument. And it absolutely requires constant vigilance because as soon as we stop looking at that stuff, we slip behind. And it's something that needs an awful lot of effort. Do you think there's a a gap in that space at the moment? 
I don't think it's a gap. Like the where where I go, both in Hampshire Constabulary, of course, but also I've just come back from leading the Strategic Command course where I was blown away by the ability of everybody to operate in that space and to be very deliberate about doing so. You know, I have lots of national responsibilities wherever I go. I see great people in policing, officers, staff, volunteers doing exactly that. Doesn't mean to say we don't want to do more. Doesn't mean to say we shouldn't all take on our own responsibility for our own continual development. But no, I don't see a gap. I see massive talent, massive, thoughtful, measured, creative, really compassionate leadership going on. But of course we want more. You mentioned the strategic command course. I'm interested, do you think you can learn to be a leader? Do you think you have to be a certain type of person to start with and then you can improve your leadership or can you learn from scratch how to be a good leader? I think it's some and some. Every single person on the strategic command course this autumn just gone deserved to be there. There were some light bulbs that came on later than others for some in terms of what the role, particularly of the leader at that very, very, very senior level is all about when you become an assistant chief constable or commander or assistant chief officer because you know it is an enduring accountability it's making sure that you're leading your organization for many years hence you can be in the moment and be busy and that's where the light bulb came on a bit later for some but you've also got to do that but then you've also your job is to think organization wide and think some years hence because we run monopoly risk-based public organisations. That's a huge undertaking and it needs people to think that far. And to an absolute person, they did. It was a real privilege and wonderful to be with them on that journey. And lots of people came away from that feeling that they'd really sort of got lots of insight and experience from the other leaders Mm. who were presenting, including yourself. Do you look back on your career and think, I've always been a good leader? Or can you remember when maybe you yourself sort of the light bulb came on? I... I wouldn't ever dream of saying I'd always been a good leader because we all grow. I mean, I joined policing straight from university. I would say I've always been very values-based and that is right at the heart of great leadership for sure. So I've always been very values-based. I think as I matured in my profession, got older in years, I kind of understood that better, practiced stuff, made some mistakes, learned lots and lots from people who I wanted to copy and also some things from people I would absolutely not go down that path ever that I saw. Like what? What kind of things? You know, over the years, and I'm going back into the 90s now, you know, really kind of like I was saying before, sticking with the process, but not being remotely interested in the context in which we're operating. You know, that's just hopeless in terms of policing. We need to be good at what we do and understand the environment we're operating in. So there was that, you know, on occasion I've been in bullying cultures, which I haven't seen for years and years and years, certainly in any of the forces I've been working in in recent years. But I know it went on and I saw it certainly in those early days. And you make a choice. I certainly made a choice very early on about, "Mm, okay, my sergeant behaves like that. I'm not going to do that. If I ever get, you know, in that position, I'm not going to do that. You know, it does work both ways. And also having fantastic mentors over the years. I've always, always had a mentor. I kind of joke that they can be for Christmas, not for life. You know, they can be for a period of time and a period in your professional life and so kind of learning from them and hearing and asking questions of them about how they've gone about stuff has helped me learn enormously from people around me so I think you do learn you do evolve you develop there are lots of great programs the college does now you know similar ones when I was growing up obviously they've evolved since then but you know they've really helped me kind of get confident in my leadership as well because that can be a thing too it's kind of really understanding your own voice and your own capability 
Is there someone throughout your career that you can look back on and say, that is the person that I really learned everything I needed to about leadership from? That is who I remember. Because a lot of people will look back and go, oh, it was this sergeant that really taught me what a good leader was. Do you have someone like that? I don't have one person. I do have a couple. So when I was a PC, I was very fortunate in that I had a superintendent down in Somerset where I was working who I describe as a gardener boss. So he saw more potential in me than I, you know, recognised in myself. And he, you know, encouraged, kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone, but not so far that it was too scary, but there was some element of scariness there. That was great. And I also look back, and in fact, I was talking with Andy Marsh, Chief Executive of the College, only a couple of weeks ago, and I've written to our then Chief Constable, Steve Pilkington, because I realised, Andy and I were talking, how many of us, Andy and my peer group now, how many Deputy Chief Constables, you look around the country, were all together sergeants and inspectors under Steve Pilkington. And we kind of recognised that he created an environment, he took an interest, he nurtured us in a brilliant way, and I'm very grateful for that. That's interesting. Do you look back on that and do you think he knew what he was doing there, as in he was nurturing that talent, or was he just being a great leader? I think both. I think one is the other. One is a subset of the other. So I think a leader has many roles and a very senior leader as he was and I now am, you know, has many roles. And one of which is absolutely spotting talent for upwards development, but equally it's spotting talent for lateral development. And that's not just on an individual basis. It's about systemizing that, industrialising that, creating different pathways that people can accept and take and be excited by. You can have all of that, though, but if you haven't got people who think I can see myself in that place and I know how to access that and I want to access that, then it stands for nothing. So you need to have all of those things and you need to pay a lot of attention to it. It doesn't just happen. How important is that accessibility element of leadership so that young and service people can get access to those who are higher up in leadership to see what that is and have their talent recognised? Accessibility is difficult in policing when it's so rank based. Yeah, I think it is. And I think accessibility is essential. And one of the things that one sees not in policing interesting, but lots of other industries where people starting out on their professional lives are working entirely from their laptops. Mm. I worry about that in terms of that almost the elevator conversation, literally sometimes that somebody can have or being around, you know, watching someone do something, hearing their voice, seeing how they operate. That stuff, which is that kind of soft almost subliminal influence is really important. And of course, in policing, because it is a, it's a participatory sport, you know, we are largely around one another still. So I think that's great. And that's massively to our credit. I think one of the things, though, that we must continually work harder at is that it's not just people who are in our line of sight who get opportunities. There's a really good piece of research in the health system. And what they found was minoritized ethnic colleagues who only work nights which was a certain socioeconomic background in a particular hospital, they were not getting the mentoring. They were not getting the project work. They were not getting the short-term opportunities to do this, that and the other because they weren't in line of sight of the managers who were working Monday to Friday in the daytime. So that was something that I think we all need to be really alive to. But it doesn't happen in policing in that way. It's not the way we're set up. But equally, you know, one of the big changes which I massively welcome developing on from the strategic command course that's just finished is to make it much more accessible to people with caring responsibilities, to people who haven't in the past seen themselves there. Because as I say, whilst it was great, every single person on this last course deserved to be there. 
but it looked like my course in 2008. That's not okay. And that's not their fault, but it's not okay. And as a service, we're not getting that right. So I really welcome the changes and I'm confident they will massively increase participation. Because I suppose that difference of life experience is really crucial in a leadership team to have people there who have different experiences for the rest of the organisation to look up to. Exactly. And I think it's something that here in Hampshire, we're really kind of purposeful about. So we do really good analysis of preferences and in terms of character and experience and tone. And we actively try, not just at the chief officer group, but also with the other leadership teams running business areas to make sure we have a blend. We are very deliberate about it and we're very open about it, very explicit about it. But we all know that's the way we deliver the best service. And we all know that's the way that we get the best from our workforce. You know, we know that stuff. That's not news. So we need to do that and be thoughtful about who we bring in, how we get teams developed and make sure that we're getting as much perspective as we can. Interestingly, on the strategic command course, there was a really good reflection from a colleague, because obviously most people on it are in policing. A substantial number come from other services. And one person from another service said, my goodness, you look at the academic diversity, you look at the life experience diversity, you look at the geographical diversity of the UK policing delegates on that course. They said the civil service would chew their own arm off for that. And it hadn't occurred to me, but what they were seeing is, wow, look where these people, everyone comes from, look how they've got here, look what they've done along the way. And it's a really, really broad view. It's not broad in terms of visible difference at all. We know that's a massive issue for us in policing. But in lots of other areas of difference, it was very, very broad. And I found that very helpful, actually. It was a good challenge. In terms of, well, we spoke about a lot about the senior leadership, but if we come down a few ranks to, to sergeant level, because they are running the sort of day-to-day, and it yeah. goes back to the difference between a manager and a leader. Yeah. And with the time constraints, it can often be quite easy to fall into just managing because there's so much going on. What would your advice to them be to sort of try and keep that leadership element in as well? So my advice is, because I do this here with my own sergeants and police staff leaders, of course, too. They absolutely set the tone and set up every single person in their team for success in that moment, but also in the long term. And there's been some really good research that we did with Portsmouth University, which shows that. It shows, you know, the real influence on someone's career, what they think is important in terms of what policing does and how it does it is set by their tutor or coach constable and their sergeant, end of. It's not set by me, it's not set by the chief inspector, it's not set by their chief superintendent, it's set there. And therefore, you know, my job is to ensure that the sergeants and often the acting and temporary sergeants too, because there's lots of people we ask to do this and we don't necessarily give them all the development we should. And I regret that, is that they understand that tone setting and that role modelling and that interest and that focus for their people at their most formative times. And I was over on the Isle of Wight only yesterday talking with sergeants there and of course, The wonderful thing about this replacement programme, uplift if you will, but for us in Hampshire, it's not even quite a replacement, it's very welcome, is how many new officers sergeants are leading. 
And that's a huge ask right now because of the inexperience. It's a great ask. My goodness, it's wonderful having all these new people. But it's such a different ask for them than it was three years ago, four years ago, five years ago. And of course, as time goes by, that will settle down in a different way again. But it is making sure that they're thoughtful about explaining the why, being interested in the why as well as just the what. But I do get that time constraint. It's a very busy world they're all operating in. Yeah, and difficult, I suppose, for the sergeants to identify who could be the next sort of them, for example, when they're dealing with so many new people, fresh people, who are still just getting to grips with how to deal with basic crime and to help them do that, but also sort of encourage them on their own path. Is that a big challenge? But that is kind of what we need to happen, isn't it? It is, but I think that can happen at different times for people. It can happen at different times in their careers for people too. So it doesn't have to be an urgent rush. I mean, one of the joys of policing, if you stay in it a long time, is is the breadth of roles we do, the breadth of mission we have, seen and unseen. It's absolutely fantastic career to start on. You don't know what you don't know when you join. And how much there is that we do is just mind-blowing. It's brilliant. It's one of the things I absolutely love, and there are many, about working in policing. So I think letting people learn their trade going back to what I said actually you've got to be good at policing you've got to know how to do it you've got to understand why we do it so actually focusing on that in that early stage is sufficient actually but people will very naturally of course start to demonstrate different talents different interests whether that's moving into dog handling or wanting to be the commissioner of the Met and there's so many different paths that people can take so I think kind of allowing that curiosity to flourish it is important trying to create time and I know it's difficult on busy shifts particularly when people are in those worlds to have that kind of time to think and and reflect together but I think that kind of starts to bubble up frankly and certainly you know what I see is huge huge numbers a quarter of my constables are students right now I see enormous talent I see enormous passion I see enormous energy creativity that's brilliant wherever someone chooses to put that and also I say farewell to people at the end of their career who spent their entire time on 24-7 response policing and they've loved it I mean that's hard graft (laughs) being on shifts you know when you get a bit older but they loved it I suppose there's another element there of whilst they may not be in a traditional leadership role, every sort of response PC will probably have to be a leader at some point in the day or the week. If they're first on scene at something, they're going to have to take control and and run it. As our PCSOs, as our call handlers, as our special constables, absolutely, all of policing. And that's kind of going back to what I said at the beginning. Everyone in policing who has some contact with the public is in a leadership authority role. We are held in that. Nobody knows if someone's fresh out the box or they've been at it for 20 years. You know, they have that authority. It comes not just, though, with the powers that they have by law, but by their presence their demeanour, the way they hold themselves, the way they operate, the way they communicate. That has enormous authority and is a leadership role per se, no question. And do you think they get enough training to do that? I think they get a lot of training to do that. And I think an awful lot of that development, it starts, of course, in the classroom element, but actually it's developed within the tutoring, coaching environment within the experience alongside their colleagues. I remember it when I started. It's really hard. The old classic, you look at yourself in a shop window in uniform and you think, oh, goodness, who's that? And you realise it's you. We all have that moment. And I talk to PCSOs today who have that moment. It's very normal. I think you grow into it. You grow into that skin. And I think one of the things about having so many new people, whether they're new constables, whether they're new PCSOs, new call handlers, is actually people are learning their trade. And that's okay. We all learn our trade. 
policing right now going through a sort of very difficult time mm. with the public, but also I think internally, and let's let's talk about internally for a minute, because officers are feeling very angry, some feeling shame, some we know are sort of choosing carefully whether to tell people that they're police officers. How can good leadership turn that around? So you're right, we have had a catalogue of just the most shameful things come to light. They just seem to keep on coming. I think as a leader, wherever you are leading within the service, making sure you talk about it with your people matters. Ask them, you know, ask them, how does it feel? As you say, both at home with your friends and family, also at work, you know, are you being accused of stuff? You know, how do you operate? What does it feel like to be in this environment right now? So the most important thing we can do is talk about it. And I see good leaders at every level doing exactly that. So that's the first thing to kind of name it, if you like. The other thing to remind colleagues of is the vast, vast, vast majority of people, certainly across Hampshire and the Isle of Wight, trust their police, love their police, value their police. And that is really important to remember because it isn't what some of the other voices can sometimes drown out. So that's really important to remember. And that's not just me saying it in my ivory tower. It's what I know from huge amounts of soft and hard data. And then the other bit is to be actually really proud. When I look, particularly in Hampshire and the Isle of Wight, it is colleagues who are calling out things that worry them. You know, they trust their managers to do stuff when they see something that's not right. And that's something to be fiercely proud of. That is a healthy culture. That is a challenging culture. That is a culture that is upholding the standards that we all know are important and are entrusted to us. And I think there are lots of professions where that doesn't happen. I know there are lots of professions where there is still fear, where there is still bullying, where things are still stuck under the carpet. And therefore, when we see, not of the recent horrors, I mean, they're of a scale that is so, so abhorrent. But when we see things being called out, actually, that's a good culture. And I remember once getting a call from a very senior colleague who said, I'm going back a few years now. I was here, so probably about five years ago. He said, you can tell a character of an organisation when it deals with some of its darkest days. And I take a lot of personal comfort from that. But I also think we need to recognise that it is colleagues calling, you know, behaviour out. And that's healthy. It doesn't happen in most other professions. What's the most important rank that needs good leaders in policing? No question. It's the sergeant and the first line supervisor and police staff because of that long term tone setting that they have the wonderful opportunity to mould. What would your advice be then to sergeants right now on a response desk? Carve out some headspace for the important as well as the urgent, because the urgent will always fill the intray. There is always more work to do than we can possibly do. And that relies on people like me to kind of to do that filtering and process and things, of course. But to just carve out some time for the important conversation, the important thinking, the important quiet intervention sometimes for someone or for a team and make sure that that's having your focus as much as doing the doing of the task that feels really important and the second thing is get yourself a mentor i've always had mentors they are absolutely worth their weight in gold and then finally you're leaving the service soon, retiring i'm sure you have been reflecting back on your time but what would you say to those quarter of your pcs right now who are still learning if they look at you and think that's going to be me in 20 years time. 
So first of all, I'm not retiring. I'm not using the R word. I'm leaving policing for sure, but I actually feel on top of my game. And, you know, what a privilege to be able to do that and to use the skills and experiences I've had for other public service in the fullness of time. So what would my advice to them be? It's, it's just to, to know how wonderful policing is at the heart of a healthy society. And when we look around the globe, how safe how stable our democracy, how the trust that we as public servants have in us is just such a wonderful privilege and to just do of their best. And if they do of their best, they can't go far wrong. Three words that would sum up a good leader for you. Energy, kindness and wisdom. Ending with strong words of advice from the former Chief Constable of Hampshire and the Isle of Wight Constabulary, Olivia Pinkney. Olivia mentioned the Strategic Command course and her time leading that last year and the ambition to make it more accessible. Those changes have started and you can read more about the new course, now named Stage 5 of the Police Leadership Programme online. There is also information on mentoring, coaching, CPD events, leadership support, guidance and information on the training available to officers and staff of all ranks at the College of Policing website. Just search online for Police Leadership. You've been listening to Inside Policing, the official College of Policing podcast with me, Anthony Bushfield. Join us again soon for the next episode, taking a closer look inside policing. <laughs>